Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Friendly Unknown. I'm very excited to have module two for you, and it's actually coming right as I'm recording this. It's right before dinner with a friend on a Friday night. I just got to listen to the recorded and edited version of module one myself. I don't know if you guys know this, but I listen to the show too. It helps me understand what I've shared, obviously, in the show and also how to be a better communicator with you. So anyways, I just listened to the show, and as I just listened, I'm sure now I'm very aware of all the topics and questions you might have in my own life before I dive in since I shared so much and thank you so much for anybody that sent any nice messages or anything over in the meantime between me airing this and now recording thank you thank you I got a message from Danielle of Beauty of Life <laughs> saying uh, she hopes that my dad is doing better and yeah I just want to give you a quick update so the flow of my own 30-day experience and workshop of the unknown and being friendly with it is that yesterday I got Great news about my dad. So first of all, he got off a ventilator and he was able to say his name, which is huge. Very, very excited that that happened. My mom sent a message to my brothers and I today saying that they're trying to find a helmet for him. He doesn't have his skull back on, but they're trying to find a helmet so that he'll be able to sit up and start to move in the coming days. So that's amazing. Like I literally didn't know if he was ever going to be able to physically be able to live without the ventilator and be strong enough to do so. So this all sounds like it's very positive, um, obviously a different future than he ever would have had or imagined to have a week ago, but also one that may not be life or death anymore. So that is great. Let's see how the unknown goes with that. In other news, I mentioned that I have the visa stuff and I have to go back and start traveling and leave a uh, the country and go abroad for all of that. I talked to my lawyer as well and got the go ahead to leaving. So I'm going to go to Portugal on Tuesday coming in the next week. So the week that this is airing, I'll be going to Portugal. I've just got a few days at a hotel. I'm obviously going to hope to get the quickest uh, visa appointment, whatever window that looks like, to go back to the United States and also see my family, of course, but need to be abroad and then also see what, like even locations in the country have those appointment dates and then also um, to see the family and find out if I'm going to be in the U.S. for five days or 21 days or whatever the case in between that might be. So those are the things that are currently in my awareness, a little bit more clarity or further information so far. And I just feel happy to hear that my dad's doing so much better so that when I do go back, hopefully he'll be able to recognize me, be able to communicate with me and all those good things and hopefully appreciate that I'm there versus if I was there in the last week, he wouldn't even have known that I was. So Anyways, that is on the docket in the coming week. But also, I wanted to touch base on this module. I'm just flowing now completely in the unknown, even of this class and what I want to share. <laughs> but I know, and I mentioned this a few times in the previous module, even though I'm dealing right now with family health concerns and travel very heavily as my unknowns at the moment, I know one of the major subjects and the most requested subject that most people commented on and historically in our community generally worry about overall is money, career, and abundance. Those three categories as a general thread uh, affect a lot of people in the world and also in this community. And so obviously my subjects in my life right now, the money and unknown also still has been prevalent, but just not nearly as forward as a leading main character of my life than the others. So I'm going to give you guys a case study of myself and what I've been with my inner voice learning about when it comes to money and the unknown in hopes that it also
also will help you, but also just kind of give you a little retrospective of things that's helped me in different stages of my previous journey and also what might help you in your journey as you're finding your potential friendliness instead of fighting the money and career and abundance in the unknown. And of course, abundance is a very broad subject, not specifically only money related. So I know that for some people, abundance could be a different dimension of abundance that they might have their minds uh, friendly versus fighting on. So feel free to adapt this if you're using the word abundance, but you're referencing a different dimension. I will say overall in the community, career, what they're doing for money and how much money is coming into life even if they use the word abundance, is often what is on top of mind. And since there's so much transformation and transition right now in the economic climate, the technological climate, and the social climate of the planet in the last four years alone, it's been unprecedented. It's not going to be a surprise to me at all if a lot of people are feeling this kind of unknownness because so much is changing so quickly, even since pandemic and with the rise in AI. So that may or may not feel relevant to you if you're, you know, on a beach in Bali doing healing work, but it may feel very relevant to you even if you are at a beach in Bali. So let's find out. Let's go into this. And before I dive too far into specifically the money and career in unknown, I want to also share quickly just three different phases of soul journey and clarify them so that we have a context to my content I'm going to share today that we can all be on the same page about. So I'm going to roughly just use categories as the mind likes to do to kind of piece this out so I can communicate this clearly. Um, There's obviously, you guys might hear of the word soul or, you know, the your consciousness that is in a sense of multiple lifetimes that are then living through human form into this life. So, you know, take or leave as much of this buffet as I'm going to share or feels relevant to you. But as I perceive it from inner voice and all the the work I've done over the years. Now, when I say young souls, mid souls, old souls, the souls themselves might be like a young soul. I mean that in the context of young, potentially more than just being a young soul itself, young in the number of lifetimes it's played human. Okay. So when I say young soul, it doesn't mean necessarily that the soul itself is young. Maybe the soul has played other realities and other experiences, alien ones in physical forms or not even into physical forms, but not necessarily just that the soul is young, but just that the soul hasn't had lots of human lives. So that kind of young soul. So kind of, you could be a professional tennis player, but if you've only played soccer or football a few times, you could be a young soul or a young soccer player, even though you're a tennis master. So that's what I'm saying. So that the soul might be a great athlete, but just in a different dimension of experience than the human one before this. So when I say young soul, I'm not speaking about the soul so much as the number of human lives experienced. And then mid soul will be, um, so if we use, I'm going to use soccer and football since it's so prevalent in the UK. So I'll use the words interchangeably, and, but you can think of American football. If the word football comes out of my mouth, whichever sport, just think about the fact that young souls are new to the game of human lifetimes. Mid souls would be, or middle of the journey souls would be having like basically, instead of being a beginner, like a kindergartner playing soccer, the mid souls would be a soul that's played many games and is pretty good at soccer, actually. They've really got the basics down and now they're working on bicycle kicks and so forth. And then an old soul might be kind of like a David Beckham, someone really, or I think Messi is one of those famous football players right now. 
So an Ulta will be a really, a really highly tuned, amazing, lots of experience and potentially even going to retire into the all-time Hall of Fame kind of thing. So Ulta's being the ones that are ready to peace out onto the, the, the field of football overall. Mid-souls are still learning and growing and adapting their skills and young souls are just trying to figure out how to stay into the game and, you know, kick the ball into the net. <laughs> what are the what are the positions? What are the tactics? What are the techniques? What is the what's the whole point of it? You know? So when it comes to earthness instead of soccer or football, let's think of this. So when it comes to a young soul or a new soul to human lifetimes, they're gonna come in with no clue of what the game is, just like little kindergartners on the soccer field. I used to be one of them. So I remember, you know, learning the game and getting the hang of it. It's very cute to watch little kids play soccer. Actually my friend Didi's son Mika is playing soccer and is obsessed with football here in London. And I actually saw one of his first games and they're 10 year old boys playing. So they have a little bit more skill than I did at five years old playing, but no, young souls or young football players in the, in the game of life are just going in the flow and they're getting tossed around in the game of life. And they often are blown by the winds of fate or just like the ways of mass consciousness that they're coming into, the society they're coming into, the conditioning they were given when they were young by their ancestors and the people that they grew up in their family. And so they don't, they're just going with what they were told in that first primary series of lifetimes. They're just gonna be stuck in mass consciousness and think that's the only way it is because that's what they're given. They're not gonna have a lot of, connection to necessarily deep skill, but they're just going to go with what the, the group around them or the people around them have led them to believe this game is all about. They're just going to follow the people around them and the situations that are happening. Um, this is definitely something I have a very close family member. I feel is very young soul. And it's so fun to see the young soul point of view. Um, one of the gifts, if you have a family member that's a young soul, is they usually don't have too much negative programming to pass on to you because they don't have any negative programming yet, really. So <laughs> they don't have actually skill to give you or impart, but they also, or wisdom, but they also don't have that much trauma to give you. So there's kind of a benefit there. Um, and I appreciate that about this. And often they take things at face value and don't even question that it could be any different. Um, I heard phrases from this family member saying, it is what it is, que sera, sera. Um, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. And it's just this quite almost relaxed to a degree. There's not a lot of even victim energy necessarily in the beginning of their, their journey, they're just going along and they don't really necessarily feel like they have a choice. So they're just going in the flow of the journey in a way, but not necessarily knowing that they could change it yet. Then as you get into the midsole, so the midsole or this middle of the journey of lifetime soul will then start to realize, oh my gosh, I can take action to make things happen. I have a choice. I don't just have to go with what's given to me. I get to choose. I can react and I can protest. I can stand up for myself. I can change the fates that were given to me. I don't have to listen to what my ancestors or mass consciousness believes. I can take massive action. And even if I was given a difficult childhood to start, I can actually change my fate and become very different from how I was raised to be. All those kind of things are very classic to the mid soul. And I would say our mass consciousness is still very heavily in Western culture, especially let's say United States is a great example, very 
very mid-soul, I would say, the mass consciousness belief of uh, the rhetoric you might hear in social media and major thought leaders and people doing TED Talks and stuff like that, you know, where and authors of all kinds are really going to be saying the mid-soul kind of stuff. That's definitely where, and even where I played and lived as I was younger in the personal development world is filled with mid-souls. They are taking action to make things happen. They have a choice. There's an empowerment to that. There's sometimes a bit of an argumentative energy versus the young souls that don't even think they have a choice. The mid-souls know they have a choice and they might be very loud and protesty if they want to, if they don't like the way things are going, but they have a lot of action and kind of fire and zest in them really good. They get to go out there. They get to go plot their visions for the future. And I have been there. I have lived that. I probably grew up starting in kind of that as a young person and conditioning too. Definitely was given that by my midsole family member as well to choose and to go out there and do it. And also this midsole level definitely likes to do laps and hard work and put in the extra time so that they kind of get out what they put into their reality. They use massive action to make massive things happen. Sound familiar? This is very commonly put in the personal development world and just generally mass consciousness and posters and t-shirts at large. You're going to see a lot of that stuff, especially in a pretty empowered overall place, kind of like America. You'll notice that this midsole energy is in parts and pieces in other cultures, but somewhat to sometimes a little bit less of a degree. So um, interestingly, I've noticed in places like Europe and the UK and the entrepreneurial like can do American dream kind of ethos is actually pretty American. It's obviously not exclusively to America, but it is actually a little bit more prevalent there or even to people in Europe and Australia and other places in Western culture I visited and got to know well that have American leaning tendencies and um, listen to content from those places. Places like, and I don't know this very well because I haven't spent nearly that much time in France, but I've heard from people that have spent lots of time in France and French people I'm sure could either confirm or deny if this, from what I've heard other people say is true or not. But what I've heard is that sometimes being a social, changing your social status can be a little bit more of a difficult thing to do or even necessarily sometimes looked down upon by others around you rather than the American like, good job, you made it kind of thing. It's a little bit uh, not as encouraged by mass consciousness around you. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's something I've heard. And I've definitely heard about the tall poppy syndrome of the British uh, Commonwealth. And I've definitely seen the effect of the tall poppy syndrome where people are kind of conditioned not to stand out too much above the rest of their peers because then they're going to get torn down to the size of everyone else. They kind of just don't even try to grow beyond the norm because they're just going to get taken down to size. So they just kind of stay hovering around the rest of their peers. That's not so much the American way. They're a bit more like you know, spike the football, <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie, show me the money, that kind of thing. So anyways, midsoles though are going to definitely be trying to make things happen and whatever culture you're in, you're probably going to be shaking it up, moving it up. You might be looking at your family and ancestors and saying, even if you are, especially even maybe like somewhere like Portugal that can be very traditional in their mindset, you could be a midsole coming into a Portuguese family, for example, or another culture like um, post-communism Eastern Europe, like I think of my friend Didi, totally shaking it up, totally not going with the way that the ethos was given to them from their childhood or from the people coming before them about just like going in the mass consciousness belief systems, but they're changing it. They're taking action and they're making things happen. They have a choice. That's number two. And this part of the community, if you're in this, and this is what's resonating for you as where you're at in the journey is fantastic. Enjoy it. It is very empowering 
and energizing compared to the young soul point of view, which is kind of just going in the motion deer in the headlights, just kind of lost in the fray and they just go through life, but they don't really know that they can change things that much yet. Mid souls definitely are there to perfect their action in a way. Great. If that's where you're at, that then be there. But I just want to call that out because the old soul is really where this class is going to lead into the way of doing it from that perspective. And if you're in the mid soul perspective, you may not like the old soul perspective, but I just want to clarify this, that the old soul perspective looks a bit like the young soul perspective from a different vantage point, from having gone through the mid soul massive action point of view and gone beyond it. So you're not going backwards back to young soul that doesn't know they can change. You're going beyond knowing that you can change by taking massive action and working really hard to something different, but it's going to look similar to the beginners, but it's from a totally different vantage point, like a spiral. It's the staircase above. It's not the staircase. It's not the ground level. It's the level above the mid soul and the young soul. So I just want to call that out. This is where the content is mostly going to focus, but it's not going to be in a way that a mid soul may not like hearing it because it might sound to the ears like I'm saying to go back and go regress. It's not about regressing. It's about progressing. And as an old soul, and a lot of the people still listening to this work at this point, if you're still listening to this podcast 10 years later or just coming into it and this feels like a great show, then you're probably more on the old soul side of things or you're a mid soul wanting to transition into a new way of doing things. So old souls or the perspective, it's what you're going to get out of things like Abraham Channels, The Collective, or Eckhart Tolle, Michael Singer, Zen, that kind of stuff. So this is going to be kind of coming from a lot of that side of the journey and the vibrational perspective. So this is going to be, instead of about no clue and going with the flow, getting tossed around by the waves of fate and life, this is about allowing things to unfold and flowing in them giving yourself the knowledge that you have a choice to take action or not. You're not clueless. You don't think you have no choice. You know you have choice and you probably took a lot of choice and massive actions in the past, but now your choice is to allow and take aligned action from this deeper, wiser place inside of you instead of your mind. So the midsole is run around with the mind and the mindsets and the mental beliefs of mass consciousness or people around it. Whereas the old soul is going to start to tune in and quiet down and listen inside themselves, go into their inner wisdom, and then have the courage to choose to allow that information and that wisdom to arise inside themselves and start to flow with the perception of this reality, not as an external force that's happening to them and they have no choice like the young ones and not like a midsole that's sitting there trying to force it all into place the way their mind wants it to be perfectly forevermore with a lot of mental control, but actually to allow this balance and ballet between their mind and their inner voice to take coordinated action so that the inner voice guides and the mind supplies the action needed in the physical human form for things to happen in a flowing, allowing way. It is not going back in time. It's actually going beyond and forward into the understanding that instead of feeling like this is all happening from the outside in, it's all the inside out. And if it's the inside out, then I better tune my inner self and go inside so that the outer that I I'm having can flow more peacefully and I can be at more of a state of allowing of this experience rather than a fighting or a forcing or a victim story or a sense of that it's it's all completely 
bizarre and happening randomly. When it comes to the old soul, the primary thing, if you want to think about this, is alignment is primary. Action is secondary. Alignment is, by the way, the alignment of the mind to the information and insight and wisdom and direction and emotional feeling, if at all possible, to your inner voice. So alignment is the mind agreeing and being in alignment with the action the inner voice is guiding to or the perspective of piece of it saying no action, the inner voice is feeling. So alignment is primary. So this is shifting from instead of your mind saying when it comes to money or career that I need to decide what I want, like be an author and be a best-selling offer and then go massive action your way to that outcome is to actually allow the alignment of your inner voice happening through then your action and your mind. So if your mind wants to be the best-selling author, cool. Ask your inner voice, inner voice, do you want to be a best-selling author? Do you care about that? Yes, no. If yes, why? If no, why not? Inner voice probably will just say, I like to write if it actually wants to write. It might not even care about writing at all. And it definitely probably may not care about being a best-selling author as such. And you can ask why, but it just usually doesn't typically from all the 15 years of clients I've done, doesn't usually have a lot of metrics and meters in its awareness or care. It usually likes to do things from a state of being that it loves and is super high vibrational, like fun and joy and creativity. And then through that, that might be a best-selling book, but it wouldn't necessarily do it with the best-selling book status in mind, the way a mind might do something like that. So alignment is primary. And then the action becomes the secondary effect basically of that alignment. So that's old soul material. That is the way of this class. If you're interested, this is what I'm trying to say when it comes to the unknown. So now if there's an unknown like work or career, it's then first finding out what is the alignment? What is the inner voice even saying about the money or the career? And then take action based on what your inner voice has said about the money or the career. And if it says to take no action, Ooh, the edge. Can you be still what it's saying? Don't take action. The mid-soul part of you will hate that idea because it goes against all the conditioning of all the hard work and efforting of the mass conscious belief systems that your own souls probably had many past lives dealing with and needing to in order to survive because it didn't know a better way. And that's also, to be fair, just to give an honor and a shout out to the mid-soul way of being or the young soul way. They don't know a better way. The old soul way of doing this is still very cutting edge for humanity. Yes, historical lineages like Eastern philosophy and even religions at their core have these surrender allowing perceptions and wisdom and insights. But even when those were actually implemented by many of the people teaching mass consciousness into hundreds and thousands of years ago into religions that often wasn't executed by those then being the priests and the nuns and everybody to the actual wisdom and insight. There were obviously people that were wise throughout entire history, but there was not a mass consciousness that was very wise at all throughout entire history. We're in a very interesting point of consciousness. I think the dissemination of information and contact and community to bond based on desired interests and vibrations rather than location is because of the internet and the technology that's happened since I've been alive. I'm 39, since 35 years, because I remember my dad gave me my first email address when I was five years old. It was for Prodigy, which was the very first internet of all time. So in the last 35 years, and I remember at Prodigy when I had the email address, it is kindergartner. He said, here's your email address. I said, what is this? He goes, well, you write people. I said, who do I write? 
people on Prodigy. Who's on Prodigy? <laughs> I asked. He couldn't say anything because we didn't know who was on Prodigy. We just had it, but it didn't mean anything. It was kind of like Bitcoin when it was a dollar. So obviously in the last 35 years then, I can say pretty clearly, this communication has allowed the old soul material and the mid soul material and the young soul material all to proliferate to the souls that are seeking out the vibration that they're at. But the old soul stuff's really taking on and helping mid souls move forward. And I'm so thankful myself that as I was conditioned to be a mid soul by my culture and upbringing, that I was able to find old soul material to listen to as I went inside myself and figured out my inner voice, you know, basically through my own soul wanting to do that through me. But either way, I digress. Let's just go back. Old soul primary is alignment. Action is then secondary. The other thing that my inner voice has over the last many years been really forcing me as a lesson to learn over and over again in the mind is that for the mind, the lesson has been alignment is alignment. Not alignment is not alignment, okay? This is old soul people, okay? So if you're aligning to this, alignment is alignment. Not alignment is not alignment. If you're gonna do this the old soul way, old soul being like you're gonna really progress and start to really learn how to release your emotional trauma and then listen to your inner voice and follow what it's saying to do through the direct knowingness or the words you hear inside yourself, this edge is that when your inner voice says to take action, you align to it. And when it says to be still, you align to that also. Can you choose to do what your inner voice is guiding you to instead of going against it? So if it doesn't tell you to go do something, can you not do it? Because that would not theoretically be in alignment with your inner voice. Can you take action when your inner voice says to and can you not take action when it says not to? It is as challenging and as simple as that. And it's only challenging when the mind has trauma in what I call beanbags on top of it or has still old limiting beliefs that might also thought patterns that might also be coordinating to those kind of emotions. So when it comes to your work and money, as usual, release those emotions and emotional beanbags on the subject of work or the unknown about when money is going to come in again or how. And then as you've released that as much as possible, inner voice, what actions, if any, do you want me to make in career or abundance today? Just ask that question. Inner voice, what actions do you want me to take in career abundance today? You can ask that every single day and just break it down as simply as that. If it says to take action, that's the alignment. If it says to take no action, there's that as the alignment for that day. Now your mind may have many more questions and hesitations and concerns. So you have to keep asking 10 more questions after that to say, what do you mean no, no action inner voice? I don't have any money left. What do you want me to do to pay the bill next week? Ask inner voice, where do you want the money to come for the bill next week, et cetera. So that's going to be at a very core level the way to go into the unknown. <laughs> However, let me give you some case studies of myself as a personal study in case that also helps tie this together to a real life example. And I'm going to give you a historical context, but I really want to actually really go into the recent insights and understanding. So I'm going to give you a quick backstory, backdrop of career um, in case it helps people, but also I really want to emphasize what I'm doing recently on this with my inner voice at my side. Okay, so basically I got into 2016, I was coaching and teaching and I got into a place where I, as a mind, really got into that alignment's alignment, not alignment's not alignment, and I stayed there. I really locked in to my mind following my inner voice like a very well-trained dog and it just followed. 
truly what my inner voice wanted to do. And I didn't even always have to ask it inner voice questions. I actually was so locked into it that there would be this direct knowing feeling in me of what to do or not to do for the most part by the point 2016 actually happened. As I got into that like headlock, that like complete, oh, it's a really good way, headlock, like my mind was locked into the alignment of my inner voice. It was almost like my head was locked looking down, bobble head down into my inner voice. And I was just leading from my heart. I was leading from my intuition and gut the entire time. During that period of time, 2016, the house sold. That was following my inner voice. My mind didn't really want to do that. I was terrified, but I did it anyways. And I kept following it and doing what it wanted me to do. Whether it was studying, teaching, traveling, I was following lock and step to it. So from 2016 to 2017, 2018, as I flowed fully in alignment, not taking any actions, more or less that were out of alignment with my inner voice, I doubled the revenue of my business doubled every year from 2016, 2017, and then 2018. By the time I got to 2018, because it was doubling from 16 to 17, 17 to 18 still doubled, it got quite high at 2018. So now during this whole period, I also was lock and step, head locked in to this deep desire inside of myself to help people. And my empathy as a human in Jess Lively's body who lived with beanbags and a bunch of conditioning, I was so empathetic to everybody's troubles because I was in college and I was so miserable from the work-life balance I was given by my family and given by my college to do. The work hard, play hard thing was definitely what I was raised to be, but I didn't want to become that. And I was already miserable in college while I was living this kind of life in the business school. I really promised and like made an oath basically to help other people. And that was still active and alive and well in me as a desire at that point in time. Yet in 2018, I had a huge transition in alignment to my inner voice wanting to go within and the desire in my mind as well to go within and have the deeper state of realization. And that then led to me taking a very big break from work. But because the business had been so prolific up to that point, teaching from this pure aligned state inside of myself and pure connected desire to help and also follow my inner voice, that I had a lot of abundance that I could actually use almost like a sabbatical. And I thought to myself, well, if I have all this money, what am I here to do with it unless I, you know, I'm here to use it so I can go inside myself and I don't have to stress about money. So I really did that. I don't remember exactly how many months, but there are many I think it was over six, six to eight months that I didn't podcast for that period of some part of 2018. I went deeply inside of myself. I was determined to figure out what this enlightenment realization stuff was all about. I was beanbagging like it was my full-time job at that point. And I was actually starting to do client sessions to give myself a little bit of like subsidiary income, I guess, but really mostly so that I had something to do while I was like staring at my belly button and <laughs> going into myself all the time. I wanted to be able to talk and I decided that I'll just make other people go into their inner voices for two hours. And then I'll be like talking to enlightened consciousness, even when I'm not enlightened yet. That ended up bringing me back to the show because I found the collective through Annie Francoeur and teaching uh, those one-on-one classes that I did for all those periods of time ended up becoming the birth of IVFT, inner voice facilitator training. And that was born. So that all brought me back to work, but I took this big hiatus and went inside 
and kind of did this other thing alongside of it. But again, alignment was alignment, whether I was working and studying and teaching consistently for 16, 17, 18, or taking a huge break in 19 and being still, just like my inner voice wanted to. It provided me enough abundance that I didn't feel scared to take that break overall. And even while I did that, I watched what would happen and I was so confident. It was kind of outrageous when I look back at my mind and so trusting an outrageous amount to my inner voice that I was doing the right thing, that I just watched the income because I kept spending my money not very differently than when I was making a bunch of money in that year. So I just watched the bank account for the business go down and down and down, kind of like a little bit of a nosedive. And then I was like, well, what's going to happen? I know that I'm whenever I'm in alignment, stuff happens. So let me see what happens when it gets close to zero. And what happened, if you're curious about the unknown, I was very curious in the unknown of that. What happens if I just keep taking time off, but keep spending as if I haven't taken time off, is that the business, because I was doing those one-on-one classes, it kind of like stalled right at the bottom before it hit zero. So it kind of, I don't know, stalled around five or $10,000 in the account from this much bigger number down to that. It would hover, it hover between the five to 10,000 in the account at any given time because of the income coming in through, I, do, I didn't do podcast advertising at that point. I stopped that because I didn't like the commitment to having to podcast when I wasn't in alignment to it. So it's just the one-on-one. So those were coming in and that was kind of keeping the account so that I could pay the credit card bills for the business and all the expenses thereof. I could pay my team that was still on my team uh, regularly. But eventually as it got too low into that really low category, I wasn't able to pay the credit card bill for my personal life. But in that time, I was very curious to see what happened. Of course I had savings, but also I didn't even need to use the savings. What ended up happening was I had some house rentals at the time that started to pull consistent income for that window of time. Now, interestingly, those house rentals had been in my life for a few years, but they were always very, very inconsistent in terms of their revenue and what they were providing me, except for during that period of time when I got close to zero in the business. The money flowed in in this other area. And then as the business, you know, IVFT and teaching and coaching kind of came back into my life and I was more active with that, I ended up liquidating the house rentals and selling them off. But the rental income provided the extra money that I needed at that time. But that was completely in the friendly unknown. I was locked into the friendly unknown. It didn't even stress me out one iota. (laughs) I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, I was super, super bold and confident, no mental hesitation whatsoever. But that just meant I had cleared off a lot of beanbags on the subject. Great. So I did that. That was awesome. So that's an example of alignment is alignment, not alignment's not alignment to working and not working and then working again and doing that from this inner voice place. Now, when I was with Atlas, I took a huge step back from work as well in Portugal. And looking back on it, I thought at the time I was going to be having babies and having this family dimension of my life open up. So I kind of thought I would stop working at that period of time to kind of focus on that. Babies never happened. An ultimate family never happened. But I look back and I say, you know what? I'm happy that I did, you know, fully focus on my relationship is that all ended up becoming. Um, And I'm glad I just got to enjoy that period of time. Um, But it was different than what I might have expected that time to have been about, which is like getting pregnant or starting a family. So coming back out of that relationship, I went back into work and then also ultimately changing my name from Jess Lively to Bella Lively and all these things. But as I switched from Jess to Bella, as I did that, that obviously on a name level is great and interesting and curious and weird to some people, but it really symbolically shows a huge shift for myself and how I operate from infinitely more my inner voice. I wouldn't say exclusively, but infinitely more. It's still definitely human 
elements that pop into me from time to time for sure, but just definitely different things than Jess versus Bella. In terms of the stillness and the activity or lack of activity, the alignment versus not alignment is, there's a lot more stillness in Bella than there was for alignment in Jess. And so that shift has brought me more and more to stillness. And obviously I still podcast. I still taught many classes last year very consistently, but I would still say, even when it comes to social media and sharing, I like to share pretty things like I still do, like houses and whatever I'm walking around that's pretty, but... When it comes to like teaching through TikTok or teaching through Instagram or projecting my voice in a loud way or putting myself out there into the market, so to speak, I really don't do anything like that. I wasn't heavily into it even as Jess, but I can just say there's more and more stillness and and beingness that my inner voice is calling me to as Bella even more so than Jess. So, so much so that I've started to wonder if it's actually going to potentially pivot me to something new or not, or what's going to happen. I once did an inner voice um, experience where I went into my soul and I talked to my inner voice and I asked, you know, is this supposed to be big? Because I know you're calling me to do basically just the classes and just the show, but nothing to actually let anyone find out about the classes or show. Is this supposed to be a big thing in her voice? Is IVFT supposed to be big? Is this community supposed to be a movement? Like, what is? What do you have for me here? Because obviously this is a unique thing that one of a kind more or less, but what is this or isn't it supposed to be? And my inner voice showed me very clearly that it's not up to me as the mind or even the inner voice to decide whether it's going to be large air quotes or not. It said, it's all about whether people decide to go inside themselves. And that made me think my way of explaining that is, is almost as though if my inner voice was a Jewish sounding God <laughs> and I'm like, Noah, I always imagine this as my metaphor for this. I was, um, it's almost like God told Noah to build the ark. So it's like my inner voice told me, build tiny houses. And I said, okay, you want me to build tiny houses? It's like, yes, build tiny houses, which would be like, I guess this inner voice work, right? Do the inner voice work. And I go, well, if I'm supposed to build these tiny houses, am I going to be rich? You know, God, (laughs) God, or my inner voice says, well, it depends. If people want tiny houses, you will be very rich. If they don't want tiny houses, you will be very poor. But it's not your opinion to decide whether they want the houses. It's your job to build them and see if they want them. That's how I feel my inner voice is guiding me in terms of my work. It's not up to me. And that makes all the sense in the world, right? When it comes to this work, it's about the ultimate in sovereignty to go inside of yourself. It's not about marketing. It's not about techniques because all of that is still noise on the outside. So it is up to every soul to choose when they go into themselves. And if they choose to go into themselves, there's a lot of opportunity for me to help and support them to doing that because I've done this for a very long time in this life and many others. But it's not up to me. And so alongside of that unknown of whether people will more or less in the future trend or trend out of their own desire to go inside themselves, I have been, like I said, wondering, like, am I supposed to do something different, pivot, add, you know, I'm asking kind of the same unknown questions that you might be asking yourselves when it comes to your work or career or money as it might be. And what I've noticed about myself in the last several months is that the Jess identity that was active up until last year, you could say, that one allowed so beautifully all that abundance to flow. And even in 2018, took this radical, you know, break and just went with it and didn't even care what happened with money was super blase and it all worked out. That was 
interesting. And I noticed in talking to my inner voice recently why that also was so steadfast is A, because I had 100% certainty I was doing the right thing from my inner voice. And at the same time, even though I was going inside of myself and just doing one-on-one sessions or doing very little, even in like the Portugal time where I was also doing very little at that time as well, I still had that just mentality of 1000% caring for people's well-being on an empathetic level to their suffering. I still felt and experienced what people and cared about helping people at this level of empathy that was my inner voice showed me. And I think it was yesterday, the day before it showed me, I was still looking at everybody as I really wanted to help like a nurse, everybody in the ICU. So it was like, my dad has been in the ICU and, you know, so that's been on my mind in the last week. And it was like, I, as Jess operated with so much empathy. I was like, I want to help everybody in the ICU that's suffering. I don't want them to have to suffer anymore. I'm going to figure out ways to help them heal. And I'm going to give them to them. And I am going to be in that. And even when I was taking time off or breaking and going into the unknown of not working air quotes into that space. So actively, I still was in a thousand percent empathy ICU mode. The difference I've, my inner voice showed me is that Bella which is aligned to my inner voices perspective of other people is way more relaxed and confident about people's ultimate well-being. Does this make sense? What's amazing, and I didn't realize this until the last few days that this, I've been experiencing the shift in my body and in my emotional well-being, but not in my mind's clarity about why I've been so much calmer about people as clearly as my inner voice just showed me. Now, instead of looking at everybody as in the ICU, including my dad, as if they could die today, my dad obviously in the ICU could still die today, but he's not actually going to die. And Jess was in this modality of, yeah, she might have on some level known there wasn't death. And on some level, she might know that, you know, everybody's going to eventually figure this out. And on some level, she might know everybody's okay. And she hears her inner voice say all is well. There's a very big difference between acting that relaxed and feeling that way in the body about people's path and journey of suffering right now than it is as Bella. So that was explaining to my mind why my body was feeling so different and kind of uncomfortable in the mind about why I was so calm about people and their ultimate well-being. And even on a certain level, I'm sure there'll be grief whenever my dad dies and my mother as well and my brothers and anyone close to me. But at the same time, there is this level of ultimate well-being and compassion that is not an empathy mode, but compassion mode that looks at even people in the ICU like my dad as actually just being in a regular hospital bed. Even if someone dies, in the ICU, they're not actually dead. <laughs> they're going to heal this like experience in this lifetime or another lifetime, but ultimately in the eternal now that's non-physical and not this 3D dimension, they're already okay. And so it's okay what's ever happening here. The all is wellness that the inner voice always talks about and always drove my mind crazy and every client's <laughs> mind mostly as well now makes sense. It's not even an ICU bed like my dad's in, is actually to a soul just a regular hospital bed because there's all the time in this reality to resolve, heal, understand, and wisdomize all of these experiences. Even if they die, they have another lifetime to go through. There's going to be past lives that'll be cleared up just like I've been doing for myself and clients as well in the last year as well. So it's all okay. And so this relaxed confidence about people's ultimate well-being, even if in this soccer game, they might bleed on the field and die, 
that the player themselves, the soul, didn't actually die. They just did in that game and they'll come back again. They'll heal in the future. So the immediacy of the stress level that Jess felt about everyone's experience is different than the Bella's long-term understanding, which is really my inner voices, perception of the well-being of everyone. So this is kind of going again to, is this work in my life? But you could be looking at your own career, obviously, and applying this to if you're a teacher, if you're an accountant or whatever, you'll just have to address all of these subjects as they custom relate to your career path or purpose and what have you. But this for me on the helping, healing path might actually be potentially really insightful for anybody else that's doing this kind of work. Maybe you're IVFT or maybe you're in a different modality or training like hypnotherapy or something else or nursing, I guess, is to actually see if your inner voice is at this kind of Bella state of being as well about the healing because that might shift or explain a perception difference between how your mind is viewing your helping healing work than your mind. So your mind and inner voice might have different perspectives about the importance and the immediacy and the need and this like stress level basically that might be coming from the mind about helping people versus the inner voice. It may be way more relaxed. It might be happy to help people heal, but not nearly as worried about how many people do it in this lifetime or not and how many people you specifically help or not. It might be like mine, much more blasé and relaxed and saying, well, when they want help and healing, they'll come to you. (laughs) Very common to hear that from inner voices. So it might be coming from yours as well. But I thought I'd share that in case my insight about my own inner voice um, and my own now lived experience from the just mindset to the Bella being set um, hopefully might help. One of the other things I heard my inner voice say as I asked about money personally in the unknown in the last year is this was an edgy one. My inner voice asked me to make choices as if I had $53 million. $53 million. I was shocked when I heard the number. I said, $53 million. Why 53? Why 53 million? And it said, well, it's a lot, but it's not too much that you'd reject it. I guess my inner voice said that if it picked like 55, that would sound too mental because I like aligned numbers. If it picked 100 million, my mind might not even be able to get its head around that. So it gave me a number which felt completely unlimited as much as I needed to be unlimited, but also somewhat in a ballpark, my mind could wrap its head around. So that's what it gave me. And that was shocking. And it took months to even wrap my head around the number itself and to even imagine ever having that number. And I've certainly never had that number in my life thus far. And one of the, of course, the mind will go, well, how would I have $53 million? It's not in my mind's business to say, my inner voice says. So what I have done with that question though, is start to ponder what choices I'm making and if they align to that advice my inner voice gave me. One of the things mostly that I've loved about that after I got over the shock of it all was what would I do when in regards to this work? So would I work more? Would I work less? If the 53 million came in a totally random way that didn't have anything to do with a lively world. So let's say it came from a inheritance that I don't know about that someone has 53 million or maybe it's winning the lottery or something mega or a different business idea I haven't thought about yet um, or my crypto really hits it big, then what would I do? Would I work more? Would I work less? How would that work shift or change? So it's been kind of fun to think about this work and if that would change any of my activities or actions at all. But 
more interesting than that, again, furthering the point to help you, this part is again in the last few days, what my inner voice has showed me is really what my mind's been doing. And I hope to share this in case it helps you because I've worked with so many clients that I have a feeling this will resonate for so many people. So I'm gonna say it slowly. My inner voice said, when I have been looking as Jess and even into the Bella era as well, at the business. Now you guys have heard, obviously I had money flow through these rental properties at different points. I have crypto and I've had different kinds of assets in different ways at different places, but most of my abundance and flow of money has come through most of it over the years through the business. Okay. Through, through helping people. My inner voice showed me that (laughs) the helping people thing is like looking out in a rainstorm and staring at three squares of the sidewalk and measuring how much rain falls on those specific three squares of the sidewalk instead of looking at the rain that is falling everywhere in my lawn, in the neighbor's lawn, and everywhere around me. It's like my mind is measuring how much rain exactly falls through three squares of the sidewalk versus everywhere in all of the rain. I think that this is probably a key insight for most people I've ever worked with Because most people I work with assume that their career is going to be those three squares of the sidewalk, and they assume that they are stressed and they are worried about how much money is going to rain on those three squares of the sidewalk. And they have usually, most cases, have a very hard time imagining any money coming in any major way outside of those three squares at all. And if they do even think about it, they sometimes reject it or they completely ignore outside potentials beyond those three squares. Or they might even devalue money coming from anything other than those three squares because they might have a sense of work and purpose and self-worth tied to those three squares of helping people or their work or their business being those three squares of the sidewalk. So they really prioritize that the money or the rain falling on those three squares matters more than any other rain falling anywhere else around them. That's huge. It was so insightful for me, at least. And I hope this might be hitting other people as well, because that insight for me was perception, mind blowing and changing to go, why am I looking at that so specifically? And I can tell you why I personally am looking at historically that so specifically is because that's where I've seen the rain fall most. So of course my mind, and as long as also my mind allowed the rental income to bring up property very boldly or the, the, the family thing, because I was still in this state of deep stress about the ICU of the other people, but to be relaxed, confident, and in the all is wellness of Bella and know that the business is there. It's three of the squares on the ground, but it's not the only area rain can fall. And just to do it casually and be available. And if a lot of people join, then great. And I'll put more energy into that. And if they don't, and if people get busy with their minds and get lost in AI and stuff, and they kind of fall away from going into themselves, then if that in the future, the trajectory of humanity goes that way, that all the rain can still fall on all of my lawn and all of the other squares of the sidewalk. And I don't need to be personally limited or feel responsible ultimately to the meaning of my life being about how much rain falls on those three squares of my sidewalk. How cool is that? It just really blew my mind open. I don't even know how else the rain could fall into other areas of and dimensions of abundance in my life. But just seeing that insight from my inner voices visual was so 
amazing. And then the icing on the cake was, I did a client session recently. I've been doing more one-on-one client sessions out of fun. If you're curious, you can go to talk with Bella at bellalively.com and sign up. You can do, I've been working with a client, uh, every week for the last month. And one of the clients, interestingly, brought up abundance in her session this week. And as Flo has it, she had her lived experience was exactly what my inner voice was showing me to look at my own lawn, you could say abundance lawn, outside the rain, it's raining money, (laughs) Um, the way it is. She's been living where she has money flowing everywhere all around her. It's constantly coming to her. She's constantly abundant, she said, except for the three squares of the sidewalk that is her helping and healing practice. She's a yoga teacher. She's writing books. She's trained in some of our work as well. So she's got all of this helping stuff and she sincerely wants to help people. But she said those three squares of the sidewalk get the least amount of rain, financially speaking, than all these other areas of her money experience. So she has tons of money. It's coming everywhere except for those three squares. And of course, her mind feels a little bit strange about that and would like those three squares to grow. But what's interesting is that her mind felt bad about having all of this plethora of abundance coming in all of these dimensions, flowing at her almost, if you will. So what her mind did to feel better because she felt guilty about the fact that others were still suffering while she was thriving so exuberantly is that her mind blocked the energy flow into her body. So she felt as bad as maybe people that had less money because her physical form was suffering from so many chronic pains and illnesses. It was like, my inner voice showed me it as in this rain analogy on the sidewalk, she's allowing all the rain all over the place And it's not really going on the three squares of the sidewalk. But while she's outside, it's like her mind is holding an umbrella and blocking the rain from falling through onto her body, from abundancing her body. So she's blocking the abundance of well-being in her body so that she feels equal to other people that are blocked of the rain on their lawn. So interesting. She's allowing it in her world overall, many streams of income coming in. She's like creating wealth for her children and just doing amazing things with her money and helping people with those three squares of the sidewalk that aren't super productively financially yet, but or maybe ever will. But she was blocking the flow, not on the money side, but on the energy and her body side so that she could find a way to still feel equal with others. Isn't that amazing? And so insightful. It was almost like in this ICU experience, she did have empathy for everyone in the ICU, so much so that she thought she needed to physically be ill too, so that she could be there with them. She was abundant, but she didn't feel good. And she had a reason to feel similar to others who were also suffering. Now, none of that is really needed on the physics and quantum mechanics scale of perception and awareness creating this reality. As my inner voice and every inner voice is saying, please play, please enjoy your creation, please allow all of it to happen and stop being so picky about those three squares of the sidewalk. Allow all of the rain to flow you to you, through you, and all around you, as my inner voice likes to say over all the time. Allow it to permeate your reality completely rather than just incidentally on certain squares that matter to you. Stop having so much opinion of where it comes from and just let it come in basically is what my inner voice is saying. And I want to just pass that on to you because of course, at the end of the day, the instructions are simple. 
please beanbag and ask your inner voice what actions to take so that you can be in alignment and clarity of what is on the subject of money and abundance. But also I sincerely hope that me by, by me sharing all of this stuff that I've been going through with my inner voice on these subjects, I hope that this also helps you too. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>